Jack and the Wormhole Read by Tom Baker Heroes can be found in the most unlikely of places. Perhaps we all have it within us to do great things, but may simply lack the circumstances or the reason to be heroic. For Jack, his journey to becoming a hero all started with a humble cow. Her name was Tulip. She was the last cow that Jack and his mother owned. Long ago, when Jack's father was still alive, their family farm had been successful and prosperous. They had owned a whole herd of the very best cows in the land. But things change. Disease had killed most of the cows, and Jack and his mother had been forced to sell the rest, along with the fields and pastures that the cows had grazed on, just in order to make ends meet. Now they had to face up to the fact that they had no other choice but to sell their very last cow, Tulip. She was a good cow, healthy and robust, and she would bring a good price at the market. But Jack knew that once the money from this cow was all used up, there would be no more. Not unless they sold the farmhouse itself. And then where would they live? So it was with a heavy heart that Jack said goodbye to his mother, and began the trip into the town, leading the cow behind him and talking to her all the way to keep his spirits up. As they neared the outskirts of the town, the houses gradually became larger and grander. On their way past an especially large and grand house, Jack heard a voice calling out from behind the ornate metal gates. It was weak and faint, but the words were clear. Help me, please! Jack looked around to see if there was anybody else about, but he was alone. There was no one else the voice could be calling to. So Jack went to the gates and leaned forward to peer through them. As he did so, one of the gates swung slowly open. Curiously, but cautiously, Jack went through. A man was lying inside the gates, just out of sight of the road. He was breathing heavily, and there was blood on his shirt. Leaving the cow to graze on a rather fine stretch of lawn, Jack ran to help the man. As he approached, he was surprised to recognize him. It was Councillor Jevon, one of the more senior of the country's officials. Councillor, Jack gasped as he reached him. What happened to you? I must get help. Councillor Jevon grabbed Jack's arm. He shook his head weakly, and a trickle of blood ran out of the side of his mouth. No, he said quietly. It's too late for me, but I have to make amends. Amends? Jack said. What for? For what I have done, I have betrayed everyone. His breathing was labored, and the blood bubbled at his lips, and Jack could see that the counselor was not long for this world. He listened as the dying man went on. Not through choice, you understand. I thought I was creating a bright future for our world, riches and abundance. But I was tricked, and now— Unless you help me, it is too late. Too late for what? Jack asked. Too late for us all. The councillor's eyes widened. Tell me you will help, he demanded. Of course, if I can, Jack replied. The councillor fumbled in his pocket and finally managed to pull out a small metal object that was rounded like an egg and set with an intricate pattern of wires and studs. He pressed it into Jack's hands. What's this? Jack asked. He had never seen anything like it before. 
I took it from the monster, Councillor Jevin said. He was finding it difficult to speak. The monster I brought here. Jack looked around, horrified, but the councillor said quickly, It's all right. The monster is dead. I killed it. He gave a rasping, throaty laugh. Though I fear it has also killed me. But this, Jack held up the metal object. What must I do with it? Destroy it, Councillor Jevon said. Destroy it before more of the monsters come. Destroy it quickly. Jack inspected the device. I have to get to market first, he said. I have to sell the cow, or we shall have no money. The dying man beside him convulsed with sudden laughter. Ah, ah, money here! He pulled something else from his pocket. It was a cloth bag that jingled and clinked, and he pushed it towards Jack. Take this, then go home and destroy that device. Jack took the bag. He eased open the drawstrings that held it shut and peered inside. Aghast, he looked back at the councillor. But there's more money in here than I have ever seen before, he said. I can't take this. He made to give it back to the councillor, but the man just stared back at him, not moving, not answering. It took Jack a moment to realize that he was dead. Jack stood there, unsure of what to do and whether or not to take the man's money. There was no question that he and his mother needed it, and Councillor Jevin had no use for it any more. Jack led the cow out of the gates and set off for home. In his pocket, the bag of money jangled against the strange metal device. When he reached home, Jack took the cow back to the one field they had left, which was behind the house. He found his mother and told her what had happened. She listened and nodded, and then told him that he had done the right thing and that he must now destroy the device. He had been paid to do a job, and the job must be done. Jack had no idea how to go about destroying the strange metal object. After some thought, he set it on a chopping block and swung the axe at it, but unlike the logs which split easily under the heavy sharp blade of the axe, the device was not even dented. He put it in the fire but the surface was not so much as charred, and when a log gave way and the device rolled out onto the hearth, Jack found it was barely warm. He hammered it into the stone floor of the kitchen until his hands were sore and the stone was cracked, but the strange device was not even scratched. As the sun dipped low over the distant hills, and evening turned to night, Jack took a spade from the barn and went out into the field behind the house. In the failing light, he dug a hole as deep as he could. Then he dropped the metal device into the hole and filled the hole over again with earth. He had not managed to destroy the device, but he did not imagine it would do any harm buried so deep in the ground, and he was sure that the monsters Councillor Jevin had mentioned would never find it there. Satisfied that he had done the best he could, Jack put away the spade and made his way upstairs to bed. The next morning... Jack awoke early. The sunlight was shining through his bedroom window the way it always did, except that this morning there was something different about it. It didn't seem as bright as it should. Thinking it was perhaps a particularly cloudy day, Jack went to look out of the window. He stared in disbelief at the scene outside. In the air above the field was a swirling mass of... Well, nothing. 
Right above where Jack had buried the metal device, the air seemed to pour into an inky black hole like water draining out of a sink. Ooh! Jack pulled on his clothes and hurried outside for a closer look. From where he stood on the ground in front of the swirling blackness, Jack could see that the hole extended backwards, like a tunnel through the air. The darkness reached back and upwards, disappearing into the sky. But if it is a tunnel, Jack thought, where could it lead? There was only one way to find out. He walked slowly forward, stretched out his hand, and touched the blackness. It had no feeling at all. Slightly reassured by this, but still apprehensive, Jack stepped into the darkness. Immediately all light vanished. Jack could see nothing. He took one step forward, then another, but still he could see nothing. Jack was beginning to wonder whether it would be better to turn back when the darkness in front of him seemed to tear apart, ripped away like a torn piece of paper. Jack stepped forward yet again and into another world. He found himself standing in a wide corridor. Behind him the air was a churning mass of darkness just like the other end of the tunnel had been. Ahead the corridor turned abruptly. Jack made his way cautiously along the corridor, and found that it split in two and one branch led to a large window. Jack glanced around to check there was no one about, then hurried over to see where he was. Perhaps he would spot some landmark he knew. But when he looked out of the window, he recognized nothing. He was looking out at the ruins of a city. The sky was filled with smoke, and debris covered the ground. Some of the buildings were on fire. Only the building he was in remained intact. Jack's mind was in a whirl. Part of him was desperate to get back to the Black Tunnel and hope that it would take him home. But another part of him wanted to explore this strange ruined world and find out what had happened here. He walked slowly back to where the corridors met. Just a quick look, he decided. He would walk a little way along the other corridor to see where it went, then back to the tunnel and home. As he followed it, the corridor curved slightly. Jack passed several doors, but they were all locked. Other passages led off it, but Jack stayed in the main corridor. The last thing he wanted was to get lost in a labyrinth of passageways. Jack had been walking for about five minutes when he heard someone coming towards him. His first instinct was to hide. He was not supposed to be here, and judging by the view he had seen from the window, this was not a safe world to be in. He ducked into the shadowy entrance of another passageway and pressed himself against the wall. He could hear heavy breathing as whoever was coming got closer, then deep, growling voices, two people talking. He risked a quick look out into the corridor. Oh, they were not people. A short distance away, two creatures stood having a conversation. One of them had its back to Jack, but he could see the other clearly. It was the height of a tall man and standing on two legs. But it had the head of a bull, complete with two long horns. Jack retreated into the darkness, straining to make out what the creatures were saying. You are sure the device activated? one of them asked. The modulation signal is clear, the other replied. But the wormhole has not appeared in the appointed place. Then someone has moved the device. Perhaps Jevin betrayed us. Jack felt cold at the sound of Councillor Jevin's name. 
Were the creatures talking about the device that Jack had buried? Ooh. Perhaps. But soon he will die. Everyone on his pathetic world will die when the Nymon continue the great journey of life. The creatures were moving again. Jack shut his eyes tight, hoping against hope that they would not come down the passageway where he was hiding. They passed by the end of it and kept walking. Ooh. Is the princess secure? One creature asked as they went by. Yes, I have just come from her, but she is of no use to us now. She can stay in this world and die with it, or be executed, the other creature replied. The creature's voices faded into the distance. Jack stepped out from where he was hiding. The creatures were now between him and the swirling blackness of the tunnel, his only escape. He considered following them, but his curiosity was heightened by what he had heard, so he set off in the opposite direction, the way the creatures had come. Jack was, when all was said and done, more than a little intrigued by the mention of a princess. Based on the fact that one of the bull creatures had said it had just come from the princess, Jack reasoned that she must be held captive somewhere along this corridor. As he turned a corner, he saw ahead of him a wide set of double doors. Outside stood one of the bull-headed creatures. The doors were held shut with a metal bar across them, and a single window in one door was covered with a grill. This could only be a prison cell. Jack stepped back round the corner before the creature saw him. He was pondering what to do when he heard the heavy footsteps of another of the beasts approaching. He risked peering round the corner and saw another creature striding up to the one guarding the doors. It has been decided the newly arrived creature announced as it reached the door. The princess is to be executed. See to it. Without waiting for a reply, it walked quickly on. Horrified, Jack continued to watch. The princess was about to be killed while he just stood here. But what could he do? He had to do something. There was only the one creature again now. It turned to the door, lifted the metal bar out of its sockets, it put the bar down to one side of the door, then pushed the doors open and strode into the room beyond. Without pausing to think, Jack seized his opportunity. He ran quickly but quietly down the corridor and grabbed the metal bar. It was heavier than it looked, but he managed to heft it up onto his shoulder. Then he followed the bull-headed creature into the room. Having worked on the farm all his life, Jack was quite strong. But seeing the hideous creature bearing down on a defenseless young woman who was held captive gave him extra strength. He swung the metal bar as if he was bringing his axe down on a log and hammered it into the back of the creature's head, splitting him from the nave to the chaps. A snarl of pain escaped from the creature as it fell. Jack stood over it, ready to bring the bar down again, but the creature gave a groan and lay still. When Jack was sure it wasn't going to get up again any time soon, he turned his attention to the woman. Now that he had a chance to look at her properly, he saw that she was about the same age as he was. Her dress was stained and torn, and her face, which would otherwise have been rather pretty, was streaked with dirt and grime. "'You don't look much like a princess,' Jack said. "'You don't look much like a hero,' she retorted. "'But I think you just saved my life.' Jack looked down at the fallen creature. Yes. I think I did. He put the metal bar down and held his hand out in greeting. My name's Jack. 
Johanna, she replied, and I am a princess, or I was, before the Nymon arrived. Jack realized that this must be what the bull-headed creatures were called. Nymon. We should get away from here before another one comes, he said to the princess. Johanna looked at him sadly. And go where, Jack? These monsters have destroyed the whole world. There's nowhere to go. You saved my life for now, but I'm afraid we shall both soon be dead. Jack grabbed her hand and pulled her towards the door. It was probably not the way one should treat a princess, but he didn't worry about that. There is a way to escape, he told her, and another world to save. There was no time for further explanations, and since he had just saved her life, Johanna trusted Jack. She kept a tight hold of his hand, and together they ran from her cell. They paused for a moment to close the doors, and Jack slotted the metal bar back into place. Jack then led the way back to the main corridor. He hoped that the Nyman who had passed him earlier had taken a different return route. Whether they had or not, he was sure they only had a little time before the princess's escape was eventually discovered. Their luck held until they were almost back where Jack had first arrived. They had just reached the point where the corridor split in two, when there was a furious roar from close behind them. Johanna gave a shriek of surprise. Jack turned to look back and saw that a huge Nyman was charging down the corridor towards them, its head down. The horns on the creature's head glowed a livid orange. A ray of fiery light shone from them, and the floor between Jack and Johanna exploded. Johanna ran with Jack close behind her. Too late, Jack realized that Johanna had taken the wrong turn. Ahead of them was the wide window that looked out onto the ruins of Johanna's world. They were trapped. Thinking quickly, Jack pulled off his jacket. He held it out, making it as large as possible in the hope of hiding the view of the window behind him and Johanna. The Nyman roared once more and came charging down the short stretch of corridor, apparently intent on impaling Jack on its horns. Its horns glowed again. At the last moment, Jack pulled his jacket aside and leaped at Johanna. He wrapped his arms around her and dragged her to the floor. At the same instant, the Nyman's horn shot fire. The light passed over Jack and Johanna and hit the window behind them, which exploded into fragments of glass that showered down. The confused Nyman skidded and stumbled as it tried to stop its charge. Jack hoped it would carry on and disappear out of the broken window, but it came to a lurching halt right on the brink. Slowly, it turned towards Jack and Johanna. Johanna leapt to her feet. She ran at the Nymon, knocking into it hard with her shoulder. The creature stumbled backwards and cheated for a moment on the edge of the window. Then, with a bellow of rage and fear, it fell backwards. Jack grabbed Johanna to stop her from toppling after the Nyman. They stood there together, catching their breath, while looking below them to where the Nyman had fallen. The swirling blackness of the wormhole still filled the corridor. Jack took Johanna's hand and assured her that it would be all right although he was far from certain it would be. Her forehead was creased as she looked towards the darkness. She seemed to be considering whether she would be able to step into it and leave her world, however damaged it might be, behind, forever. But then two Nyman appeared at the end of the corridor behind them, and there was no more time to consider. Hand in hand, Jack and Johanna ran into the darkness. They tumbled out of the wormhole and landed in the field behind Jack's house, in a tangle of arms and legs. Oh! 
Those Nyman will be right behind us, Johanna gasped. And now that they know where the wormhole is, all the others will follow. They want to destroy your world like they destroyed mine. She looked around desperately. Why is it here, Jack? What created the wormhole? There was a device made of metal, Jack said. I was told to destroy it, but I couldn't, so I buried it. Here. From somewhere deep inside the whirlpool of blackness there came a bellowing roar. We have to get the device, Johanna said, before the Nyman get here. Desperately, they scrabbled at the ground beneath the wormhole. It was soft from being dug the previous day, and they scooped out great handfuls. Soon, covered in mud and dirt, they saw the gleam of metal. In the blackness of the wormhole above them, a shape was beginning to form. Johanna grabbed the metal object from Jack. It's a black light generator, she murmured. Quickly, she pressed several of the studs set into the metal casing, and the device clicked open. Then she dropped it to the floor and stamped down hard on the innards, grinding them with her heel. A huge, dark hand reached out of the wormhole, grabbing a jack. Then suddenly, it was gone. There was a terrible screeching sound, a roar of pain, and the blackness of the wormhole abruptly vanished. Jack and Johanna stared in silent relief at the empty air. On the other side of the field, Jack's cow tulip munched contentedly on the grass, as if nothing had happened. Inside the house, Jack's mother also seemed to have noticed nothing. She had been counting the money that Councillor Jevon had given Jack. There was, she told Jack, more than enough to keep the farm running for years, more than enough for them to offer Johanna a home. If Jack's mother wondered where the girl had come from, she didn't ask. She took her son's word for it that Johanna was homeless and needed their help and kindness. Jack showed Johanna the room that would be hers. He told her how sorry he was about her world, but how grateful he was that she had saved his. Johanna gave Jack a small, sad smile. I'm glad we're both safe now, she said. She thanked him for rescuing her from the cell she had been kept prisoner in. Although she was filled with sorrow at the loss of her own world, she was relieved to be free of the constant fear she had felt around the Nyman. After a sleep and a bath, Johanna put on a dress that Jack's mother had kept since she was Johanna's age. When Johanna came down to join Jack and his mother for supper, she asked them, How do I look? Jack looked at the young woman with whom he had escaped. Oh, like a princess, he told her. Yes, you look like a princess. <laughs> and he laughed and was happy.